0: Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. just want to speak just very briefly to or begin by referencing the fact that we're continuing to trust the Lord when it comes to the pastoral search. Amen? And uh, the Lord is the Lord is in control. This is his church, and he is the good shepherd, and he cares for us as like his sheep. And as we continue to seek and trust the Lord regarding that uh, that process, I want to say thanks to Tamano for the update uh, last week. And I'm going to share with you a rather unfortunate search process story as an opening story. The story that I read a couple of weeks ago, that uh, that I know won't be relived here when you hear the details of this story. But it had to do with the church in Manitoba a number of years ago, where a pastor was called a candidate. And the weekend came when the pastor was the candidate, and he met people, and he spoke on Sunday morning, and then there was a vote that followed, and what was required for the vote was that 70% of the members would vote in favor and he would become the new pastor. If fewer than 70%, then he wouldn't. Uh, The vote was held and prior to that, the search committee had been, just as we did uh, recently, we had the search committee come up and we prayed for them. And the search committee had all publicly endorsed This is, we believe, the the man of God who's been been called to become the next lead pastor. So to many people's surprise, even despite the endorsement, he didn't achieve the 70%. And actually, 70% is a relatively low threshold. Long story short, this is what the pastor wrote as he was reflecting on what happened. It became clear that a couple of the search committee members had publicly endorsed me, but had privately voted against my candidacy. Isn't that awful? And not only had they done that, but they had actually gone around and they had drummed up some support against this pastor because they didn't want him to be voted in, but they had publicly affirmed him. So I'm telling you, that will not be relived here. Uh, because I trust the people on the search committee. And and I tell that story because we're focusing on doing and being community, and that is not a good way to do community, is it? Uh, And as we consider significant one another phrases from the Bible, this morning we're going to come to respect one another and submit to one another. And that's why I start with that story, because that was an example of people not Mutually submitting, I use the phrase about mutual submission together, which is how we link arms together and we move together by respecting one another in leadership. The word submit is is a challenging word because it's often used negatively. And when I hear the word submission, on the more humorous side, I'm sorry, but when I hear the word submission, I think of, and I don't watch it, but I think of WWE wrestling and I think of MMA fighting Mixed martial arts, and I think of submission holds. But unfortunately, when I hear the word submit, I often think of abused power. And I often think of people taking verses like from Ephesians 5 and saying, you had better submit to me because God says submit to me and you better do as I say. And I think of abused power and demands of compliance in relationships. When I think of that rogue search committee, that story illustrates an incredible breakdown in respecting or together submitting to an agreed-upon decision. And we all experience times in leadership, or we all experience times as family. We all experience times in committees. We all experience times even as friends when a decision is made And it's maybe not the decision that we would have made to begin with. You ever have that experience? With a group of people and together they make their mind up and you voiced your opinion and it's not the decision that they end up making. And an important part about humility in committee is the maturity to learn how to actually lend support even in those circumstances. The reality is if those search committee members had been that determined that they were against the decision, what they really should have done is they should have stepped down. Because even in a committee, and I can think of circumstances and situations when, in an elders group, we had a decision to make about a direction to go as a church. And I remember saying to the elders, this is really the way I I, I believe, this is I believe the decision we ought to make. But all of the rest of the elders said, no, we believe this is the way we should go. So I could have dug my heels in and said, you know, I just want you to know and I want you to make a record of the fact that I object to the decision that you're making. And I've seen that happen in meetings. But I really believe that unless I believe there's really some strong spiritual or ethical or moral reason against it, that if the whole group have said, this is the way we walk in it, then I say, you know what, it's not what I would have said initially, but I will support the decision that you've made, and, and I will work with it, and I won't grumble about it on the side. Yeah, well, you know, I know we're going that way, but I just want you to know what I said. Now, the reality is that a few months later, we reversed the decision. But I didn't say I told you so, because if anything, that was at least a test for me and a check for me that I would be humble, and that I would submit to the other spiritual leaders of the church, and so that we would move together. What does it take to submit to each other, to live in community with respect for one another? Well, let me say that first, mutual respect begins with our submitting to Christ. Now, that might sound obvious. But let me frame it this way because it's it's an important reminder for us to consider this. When I see another person, do I see him or her like Jesus does? What does that even mean? Do I see others the way that Jesus sees me? Is there a person at school maybe who needs the friendship of Jesus? Is there a neighbor, a student, a friend, that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to spend some time with, to get to know, to care about, to invite maybe the life group, uh, to invite to youth. I I realize the the youth have gone downstairs. Uh, To invite Sunday morning, to invite to some church-related activity, or to invite simply into your home because you are the church, and that's the first exposure that many people are going to have to the churches to you and to me personally. Are there people that Jesus is inviting us to see differently than maybe we see them now because our first impression hasn't been so positive, or our second, or our third impression even? My glasses uh, have what are called progressive lenses. And if you don't know what that means, it just, it just means I'm getting older. But... But progressive lenses mean that if you, if you look through the top third of the lenses, you, you use the top third to look for distance. You look through the middle third to look for mid-range, and then you can figure out the last. You look through the bottom third in order to see what's close up. And when I think of that, if, if we look through the wrong part of the glasses to see something, it will not come into focus properly. And sometimes that's how we view people. We're looking at them through the wrong part of the lenses. And we are seeing them for, for maybe what the flesh says. Or, or or maybe what just my mind says. I don't like that person because I don't, I don't like what that person looks like. I don't like what that person said. I don't even like what that person did. And yet Jesus is looking through them, looking at them through a different part of the lens very clearly and saying... That is a beloved person that I created. And I want to get deep into that person's spirit to see transformation and change, just like I did for you, Jesus would say to me, and he would say to us, that we would know them and see them with deeper love and understanding and wisdom, just as, he's, just as Jesus sees us. At some conflict uh, resolution seminars that I was at, last year, the facilitator, a brilliant facilitator on conflict resolution by the name of Betty Preece. She used this phrase. She said, consider everyone with unconditional positive regard. Now, it doesn't sound like spiritual language. It's not spiritual language because it was a mixed crowd. It was not a faith-based seminar. But she is a believer. Looking at people with unconditional positive regard. And it's just a phrase that that won't escape my mind. I believe the scriptural version of that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that I've just got a reference this morning. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, remembering that prior to his conversion to Jesus, his name had been Saul, and he persecuted Christians. And this becomes evident here. He writes, And Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him, who died for them and was raised again. Hallelujah! So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's the wrong part of the lenses. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, and that was like Saul before he became Paul. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. Praise His name. The old is gone. And the new is here. And all this is from God. Who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And He is committed to us the message of reconciliation. Will you receive that? That he has given to us that message of reconciliation that through us he wants to reconcile and restore people to Jesus Christ, to himself. Canadians have recently been gripped by that tragic story of the bus crash in Saskatchewan, killed 16, injured 13 from that, junior hockey team from the Humboldt Broncos. It's 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 been a big national story. And at the trial of the truck driver recently who caused the accident, it was really interesting to watch the reactions and and, and to hear some of the statements of family members. I mean it would have been the whole thing is just unbelievably heartbreaking, wasn't it? But some family members viewed him as a monster, never to be forgiven. While others incredibly rose above to view him as a human being who still deserved regard and still deserved sympathy and empathy. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be in that situation. But I am reminded that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And that we no longer are to look at people from a worldly point of view. But when we see people through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of Christ, everything changes. Our whole perspective changes. And our vision changes. And sometimes that's absolutely what we need in order to see people Because we need that supernatural vision in order to see people in a way that's different from what we would ordinarily. It's one thing to view people through the eyes of Jesus, and then he invites us to submit to one another. And that actual phrase, submit to one another, is found in Ephesians chapter 5. And the phrase reads, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as we submit to him, that's why it needs to be in the proper order then we will respect one another and submit to one another. What does that mean? In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster defines submission this way, and I think it's a great definition. That submission is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. Does that resonate with anybody? Man, that that just hits me. What a great definition. Submission is the ability to lay down the terrible burden. We often don't think of getting our own way as a terrible burden, do we? We often think of getting our own way as the right way of going about it. Now, oftentimes, we want to get a certain way because we know it's the right way, but sometimes getting our own way is really the terrible burden of selfishness. I think that captures well the essence of what it means to really respect each other on a long-term basis. Because you know uh, how that phrase goes, familiarity breeds contempt. The longer we get to know people, and we get to know their edges, and we get to know their warts, and we get to know their imperfections, the easier it is for us to be disrespectful. And how we need to remember that, it's just as easy for other people to do the same to us. But the maturity that we need comes from Christ to truly respect one another on a long-term basis through the ups and the downs, through the highs and the lows, through the joys and the sorrows, through the agreements and the disagreements, even through the harmony and the conflict, and through the satisfaction and the dissatisfaction, because it's easy in relationships to become dissatisfied. I don't know about you, but there have been some times in my life that I am not proud of. I have dug in my heels because I wanted to get my own way. Do you remember uh, overhead projectors? Remember those old puppies? I once had a very stressful working relationship as a pastor with a, with, a, with a fellow staff person. And one Sunday morning, it was about 15 minutes before the service was to begin. And the overhead projector normally sat on a stand here because that's what we use with with acetates, right, to, to project the words up on the screen. And the projector had been left sitting over on the side of the platform. I was the worship pastor, but I wasn't the one who had moved the projector over there. It was my, let me call it my nemesis, who had moved it off its proper perch on the table beside the pulpit. And you better believe, I was not going to be the one who put it back where it belonged. And there was a quiet standoff that morning, which I am not proud to say I won. And I held out for no other reason than the fact that I was not willing to lay down the terrible burden and the selfish desire to get my own way. I'm not proud of it. But when we follow Jesus' golden rule, as it's been called, by treating other people in the same way that we want to be treated, then we're getting to the heart of what it is to show respect and what I call mutual submission. Even if I know or if I believe that I can reason why the other person doesn't deserve it in my ration and my rationale. And this week, I've particularly been drawn to five verses from the the first of two letters by the Apostle Peter. I won't spend a lot of time on them. They're found near the end of the New Testament. They speak well to respect and honor in church community. And I'm going to spend some time with these verses this morning. Peter was writing uh, words of encouragement to Christians who were facing persecution for their faith. They were under pressure. And you know that when people are under pressure... There's the temptation that grows to turn on each other, to lose patience, to shorten our tempers, to point fingers, and to forget that we are on the same team. And into that situation, Peter wrote, and he starts with the leaders. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. I appreciate that Peter started with leaders. It's directed specifically from an elder to the elders. It's from somebody who witnessed firsthand Jesus' suffering, and it's from somebody who himself suffered because he denied Jesus three times, but Jesus still restored him. Praise his name. Jesus restores us when our hearts are open to that restoration. Written from someone who saw God's amazing glory displayed in Jesus' life and ministry at a time when Jesus was transfigured before him in an amazing way. And then God also did incredible displays through Peter's life and ministry as well. Healings, amazing miracles through him. Peter goes on, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. This is to the elders. Watch over them. Not because you have to, but because you want to because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Now, as somebody who is paid in ministry and leadership, I want to sincerely say to you, and, and these are not empty words, I want to sincerely say to you that I appreciate all of the volunteering and the serving that is done in this church. Amen? Amen. And I know that all the staff feel the same way. I know that's where their hearts are. And next week, there's going to be a focus on serving one another. But as somebody who's paid in ministry, it can be very easy to take people for granted and just say, well, come on, you know, work a little bit harder, do a little bit more, and forget, yeah, dude, but you're getting paid to do it. And I want to say thank you very sincerely. And with these verses in mind, let me also highlight my appreciation for the elders board and for everyone who's involved in leadership of various ministries in the church. I believe that you are all committed to being faithful to these verses. I believe the elders are committed to being faithful to these verses. And thank you for the time that we could spend recently praying for them uh, and for the staff as leaders of this church. Peter goes on, Don't lord it over those who are entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Please continue to pray for and encourage the leaders of WCMC and the leaders of all the various ministries of this church. Leadership requires a prayerful mix or a crucial mix of prayerfulness and decisiveness, of listening and deciphering, of caring and of acting, and above all, as we seek to be led by God's Spirit, that we lead by example. I don't ever want to be asking something of people that I would not also be willing to do. It's so important that we lead by example. Wherever you and I have leadership and influence, may we hold on to leadership and influence loosely. Amen? That it not become something that we believe that we have earned, but rather that we hold on loosely and we set an example passionately. When I was young, my father served on a church board, and that board, it was a huge board. I think there were nearly 20 people on it. Uh, please don't ever do that. Uh, <laughs> the board had factions. It had power struggles. It had conflict. He would come home from board meetings, wound up and ticked off and fired up and just stressed. And I thank the Lord that the board of this church is diverse and gifting and characterized by unity. And I appreciate it. And I understand that it hasn't always been that way. And that's true for many, many churches, that there have been periods of challenge and conflict. And we need to say, praise the Lord, that there is unity. And we covet, I covet unity, because unity comes from the Lord. When it's unity, that is based in prayer and the Holy Spirit. There are two crucial behaviors necessary for leaders and followers alike, which are first, a gracious willingness to support decisions that have been prayerfully made, even if I don't initially agree with them, as I said before. And then wisdom and discretion and grace to continue to raise concerns if we believe that we have them. Uh, Because it's not just about being puppets and being silent, but we need to be gracious and careful and wise and discreet to raise concerns when we have them. Amen? And for me personally... I take very seriously the words of Jesus' brother James in his letter, chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. I don't ever want to take those words lightly because that's the word of the Lord. I want ever to be faithful to God's word and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And never take lightly the responsibility and the privilege of teaching God's word. And we all look forward to an eternal crown, which represents the reward and the honor that God chooses to give in eternal life. The final verse brings us all together. In the same way, you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. I want to say how impressed I have been to hear in conversation with James, with James Ferber, who directs our Next Generation Ministries, that there are some young adults of WCMC who have said, we want to be mentored. Isn't that wonderful? You say, praise the Lord for that? Yeah. That's what we're celebrating. And I know James is working on that. We show respect and honor and healthy submission by seeking out people to learn from spiritually. Just as we would go to a financial advisor, financial advice, so we'd, we'd, we'd go to the right person for home renovation or for car repair or for education. And at the same time, I I want to say to young adults and and students this morning that you are not too young to be learned from. To make a contribution to the life of the church. You really matter. You really matter. This verse ends with words similar to Proverbs 3.34, which is God opposes the proud but shows grace, shows favor to the humble. This metaphor of clothing yourselves with humility is a beautiful metaphor. And I'm actually reminded of the literal clothing. If you think of if the image of, of monks and nuns, and I know we're not we're not in that in that tradition of monks and nuns. And and Peter's not writing about clothing, but when you think about monks and nuns and what they wear, the habits they wear, the clothing they wear, it really gives the impression of humility. Because there's nothing fashionable about what they're wearing of course peter's not writing about clothing but maybe we could think of humility as as our our superhero suit because i just watched the incredibles 2 yesterday Um, (laughs) and when they put their suits on they become superheroes when we are clothed with humility then we can be used by the Lord. Because when people say, you know what, I'm not that special, I don't have any gifts, number one, that is a life in the pit. But number two, when we say, "I, I don't know that God can really use me, I don't have that much to offer, then you're ready. Then you're ready to be used by the Lord because you are clothed with that kind of humility. Provided you're open to say, Lord, use me and anoint me, And may your power reside in and through me. When we're clothed by humility, we're characterized by at least these things. We are people who listen well. We are people who pray without ceasing, often. We are people who will talk to one another and not about one another when we have things that we need to deal with one another. I mean, we talk about people all the time. But if we got an issue we need to deal with, we will go in grace to one another and we'll talk it through. When we're clothed with humility, we will be patient like the Lord is and slow to make judgments and assessments. We will be people with a desire to learn, ever learning from each other, and from the lord and we will measure carefully and what i mean by that is that it's very it's very easy for us when we get passionate about something or if we're talented or gifted about something that we begin to measure other people by our passion so if i'm passionate for example about worshiping god in a certain way and i see other people i say hey man they're not raising their hands like i do then I may be tempted to start judging or measuring other people by that measure. Whatever you're good at, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're excited about, we just need to be careful that we don't measure everyone by that measure. Rather, we want to measure them by whatever God calls us to. Amen? Because we've all been gifted and we've all been given different passions. But may it be that it's all for the glory of God. That ought to be a really key measure. Clothed with humility is also, may suggests, suggest, that we be very careful in our relationships, that we don't assume motives. Some relationships have broken down and been, been ruptured because somebody said, I know why you did that. You did that to get at me. You did that to tick me off. You did that to undermine me. And so many times, those kinds of accusations have been made. Those have been the most damaging accusations that I have ever that I have experienced in my life. When somebody said, "You did that because you wanted to undermine me," I say, "You know what? That didn't even cross my mind. Maybe it was true with the overhead projector." <laughs> but we need to be very careful not to assume motive, and that if we think somebody did something, that What we need to do is we need to address it. And we need to address it in kindness. And then when we're clothed with humility, we will treat others as we desire to be treated. Amen? This looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. It's not all the fruit of the Spirit. But it looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. And at the heart of community under God will be life characterized by the example of Jesus and the activity of the Spirit. And as the musicians come this morning, as we come to sing together, will you consider what is God saying to you about respecting and submitting to the Lord? And when I give this message, it's not at all to say, I'm the pastor, I'm a leader, and so you should submit. No, not at all. And I think you hear that. But rather, this is about respecting one another in order that we can link arms together and move forward under God so that His kingdom will come and continue to come. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is God perhaps saying to you today? Maybe about respecting and submitting to Him. Uh, Maybe about offering your life to him for the first time. Uh, maybe about laying something down before him and saying, Lord, there's something that I've been hanging on to and holding on to and I need to let it go. Uh, maybe it's about a relationship and that and that that terrible desire, you know, to get our own way. And there's some way that I, Lord, I need to I need to release that overhead projector in my life. I uh, I need I need to let go of that control that trying to control that person or I'm, I'm I'm trying to make that person change somehow and Lord I just need to give that over to you or I'm needing to win somehow in this relationship and I need to give that up maybe I even need to give the appearance of having lost because under Christ I am victorious and that's what's more important Is there anybody that you're in community with that the Lord says you know there needs to be some some restoration I want to pray with you before we sing. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that this week I have been just really burdened, just really burdened this week, Lord, that there are, that there are those among us because I, I, I know there always are, but this particular burden about the restoration of relationships. And Lord, I thank you that you are the great healer. You can heal the body. You can heal the mind. You can heal the spirit. You can heal relationships. And Lord, my heart breaks with those who are suffering from misunderstanding. My heart suffers from those, as we heard this morning, who are suffering from fear. That's affecting relationships. And Lord, I don't know how this plays out in the details of people's lives, but Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for supernatural and divine restoration of relationship. Lord, I pray that even if even if there may be relationships that were that were broken some years ago, that there's still a burden that God, that God, you would do your work. You would do it in your time. Even if this is just the beginning of that this morning or if this is the continuation of that. Lord, I thank you. I am not the Holy Spirit, but you are. God, I thank you how you speak to us and how you desire for health and freedom and joy in you. And we bless you, Lord. We worship you. I want to remind you today that as we sing as we hear from the Lord today please be free and I thank you as we prayed last week that we can always pray together. At the end of the service and and, and the front of this sanctuary this altar is always open for us to come and to pray together to worship together to heal together and I thank you Lord for the ministry team brothers and sisters let's always be free to respect and to submit to one another under the lord and to walk together in unity under him praise his name in jesus name amen praise you thanks for listening online with us we trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.